Good morning. Uh, I'm so happy to share the word with you this morning. Uh, we're playing around with the how. Where can we uh, video this part of of the Sunday service? Gabby tried outside. I liked it, but uh, I think I would be very distracted with all the sounds and every people putting the garbage out and that kind of that kind of thing. I know it, you would love to see the Kishkaish Bay, uh, but here you are in our living room, and it's so. Um, amazing that we can share God's word and that we can meditate together in what I believe is a very, very challenging message series. At least I know it really has been for me. Um, as we have gone through this chapter 15 of John, um, when we go through everything that Jesus taught us and very important commandments of what it means to be a Christian, what it means uh, to be a follower of Jesus even. Um, so today, uh, we're going to close this message series and we're continue, we're going to continue, um, to read John chapter 15. I hope that you had time, uh, to write down the passages that we're going to uh, go through today. And my prayer is that it's going to be a challenging, uh, um, a challenge for your life. It's going to be, it's, it has been a challenge for me to, uh, once again, remind myself of every little, th- every important step of Christian life. And I believe that um, many times we forget uh, about the essentials of our faith. And I hope that once again, God will stir his word in, inside our hearts and it will make us obedient disciples of Jesus. So let's read together in uh, John chapter 15. And we're going to continue uh, reading the verses that we haven't read uh, yet. So we're going to read from verse 12 to verse 17. I have my Bible opened here. It's in John 15, NIV version. Some passages I use different versions. So bear with me. That's one why I'm going to read the passages from my, from my notes. So let's read together John 15, 12 to 17. It says, But this is my command. Love one another in the same way that I loved you. No one has a greater love than this to lay down your life for your friends. You are my friends if you do what I tell you. I'm not calling you servants any longer. Servants don't know what their master is doing. But I've called you friends because I've let you know everything I've heard from my father. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command to you, to love one another. So we're going to go, we're going to explore exactly this concept, this command from Jesus to love one another. And Jesus tells us exactly what he meant by loving one another. So in the beginning of this verse, and we're going to go more specifically into verses 12 and 13. And Jesus starts by saying, this is my command, love one another. So this, uh, this passage says in the beginning, uh, it explains to us the unescapable necessity of love. This is very important, the inescapable necessity of love. This passage doesn't begin like a teaching. It begins uh, with words that are stronger than a teaching. It's Jesus said, this is my command. Jesus presents uh, to us a challenge for our lives. Now, these aren't the words of just a philosophy teacher. 
These aren't just the words of someone who has high morality and wants us to have high morals. These are the words of a king and lord who is able and capable and has the authority and the power to command us. He's, he presents us this challenge and he expects us to, to obey him. Now, this is how it works with Jesus. If we understand who Jesus is, that he is the king of kings, that he is the Lord of lords, that he is the creator of the universe, that he is all of this, he's our savior king, that he is uh, the one that uh, gave his life for us. If we understand fully who he is, then our relationship will, with him will definitely not just based on love, but also on obedience. This means that I will have to reorient my life to make plans and decisions according uh, to his word. And I'm going to follow orders and I'm going to carry out his plans for my life. And when we start walking with Jesus, it means first that we have to bow down before him. Now, I remember growing up in, in, in the church and one of the most vivid memories that I have of, of being at church is when we had prayer meetings. And before, years and years ago, maybe uh, I believe Pedro and Paula probably they remember this, people used to be on their knees during prayer. And it's such a beautiful memory to me because when we, we put ourselves on our knees, we are reminding our souls through our bodies that we have a Lord. We are reminding ourselves that we not only have a Savior that loves us dearly, but we also have a Lord. Whatever He says goes. We live to obey Him. We live to follow Him. And why would anyone want to obey someone? Because if, if we put ourselves and we, we think in, in human terms, obviously it doesn't make much sense that I live my life, that I base my whole life in obeying someone else. But why do we do it? Why are we Christians even? And if you're not a Christian, this, I think it's one of the main ideas in your head right now. Why would anyone follow someone else and not what they want to do with their lives? Because we have found freedom in obeying Jesus, not burden. We, and the Bible says, and Jesus told his disciples, come to me, all of you who are tired and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is not an empty promise. This is the truth. We found freedom. We, we found um, uh, rest for our souls when we decided to start obeying Jesus with our lives. Jesus is the only person, the only king who is able to promise this to uh, his followers. And actually, he is the only one that can deliver uh, his promises and he continues saying in Matthew eleven thirty, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So throughout centuries, mankind has followed different kinds of leaders, different kinds of kings. And if you study history, you're going to see some kings were really good kings and leaders. Uh, most of them were not that nice. And when they imposed rules, when they imposed laws on people, usually they become a burden on the people. It's never easy to, to be following to the, to the letter of the law. Um, men and women who are flawed, who are not perfect. But when we accept the challenge of following Jesus, the perfect king, the perfect savior, 
Every command that comes from him to us is something that will make you experience freedom and rest for your soul. Jesus is, in fact, the only king that is able to do this to us. Now, the problem is when Christians are walking contradictions. Because many times we live our lives declaring with our mouths that Jesus is king, but in the way that we live, we don't exactly follow what he is saying. So the world many times is looking at us and they don't see how it's possible for us to declare that Jesus is Lord when we choose to time and time again ignore his commands, explicit commands of what Jesus told us to do. So before we we start and we continue to dive in God's word this morning, I want to ask you and I want to ask myself, are my knees bent this morning? Is my heart truly bent in his presence this morning? Am I just here to say beautiful words to Jesus that gave his life to me? Or am I willing, desiring, anxious to hear his commands and pursue them with all the strength and with all the power that he gives me to live for him? So we are bowing our knees before the king this morning. I really hope so. Ready to hear his command. And he says in John 15, this is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus says how we are supposed to live as I have loved you. And this is, uh, this is what he commands us. And so how are we going to love one another? When it's convenient, when we have free time, when we feel like it, when we are going to ha- receive something in return, we are to love as Jesus has loved us by laying down our lives for others. And this is exactly what Jesus did on the cross for us. So that's why Jesus is the living example of love. Jesus is the living example of love. And I love the fact that we live our lives with a king that doesn't just command us to do things that he never did himself. And this is something very important that you have to remind yourself about Jesus. He never tells us to do something that he never did himself. So he knows how it's costly many times. He knows how hard it is, how, how far it goes out of our nature and of our own desires to, to obey him. But he always did what he have asked us to do. He had authority to make us obey him. But Jesus chose to let us by example. So Jesus is the living example of love. And to lay down one's life for, for a friend is the ultimate nature of love. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, one thing that really astonishes me these days is that for over 2,000 years, the cross has been the symbol of Christian faith. But I think that we are living at a time where Christians speak so little about the cross. And obviously, we speak about the cross at Riverside, Lisbon. I think many churches talk about the cross, 
What, what, with this, I want to say that I don't think that we speak about the cross enough times. Because the cross is, is not just an emoji. And I think many Christians think that the cross is an emoji that is available on your cell phone when you want to say that you're going to, going to go to church or that you're a follower of Jesus. But the cross is so much more than that. And I think the disciples really understood the meaning of the cross. Because when they looked at the cross and when we look at the cross, we should see more than just the way by which we are saved. We should look at the cross and see that the cross is the way of living. The cross should be the reference on how we should live our lives. And the Bible says that on the cross, Jesus loved us while we were still sinners. While we were still offending him. Jesus didn't, wasn't expecting and wasn't waiting for us to repent. Jesus wasn't expecting anything from us. He loved us while we were still living in sin, offending him with our actions. Jesus at the cross, he told about those who were uh, putting him on the cross. God, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Jesus' attitude is loving even when it's undeserved. Even when people are not showing signs that they deserve our love. The cross demands us to love one another like Jesus did. The undeserving, the unrepented, and the ungrateful. And that's why I believe the cross was very deep, deep for the disciples. They, it really impressed them. And I want us to think about the moment where when the disciples heard this, you have to love one another. You need to lay down your life for your friends. And some chapters later, some time went by and, and they saw Jesus on the cross in agonizing pain. And Jesus, they reminded, they, they got reminded of when Jesus said, there's no greater love than this. One giving his life for his friends. And they looked at Jesus on the cross and they could hear, this is me giving my life for my friend, John. This is me giving my life for my friend, Peter. This is me giving my life for my friend, Mary. This is me giving my life for my friend, Reuben. My friend, Dina. My friend, Paula. My friend, Gabby. Jesus looked at us as friends when we were still sinners and offending him and ungrateful and undeserving. And this is how the disciples understood what really, really love is. Loving as Jesus loved. And that's why when Peter and John went to the temple and they saw this beggar asking for, for coins, asking for mercy, Peter really understood and he he remembered the Jesus commandment love one another so instead of uh continuing continuing with his day he stopped what he was doing and he showed God's love to that man the bible tells us the story of in acts of Barnabas Barnabas he was a member of the church everything was going smoothly in his life but he could tell and he could see that people in the church were, were living in need and the bible says that Barnabas had this huge stir in his heart he felt so uncomfortable in his spirit that the bible says that he sold everything that he had to be distributed to those who are in need love one another 
And I know that for the early church, this wasn't just a beautiful thing of how we should be polite and how we should be sympathetic towards others. No, this is a commandment to lay down our lives for the sake of the other. If we all acknowledged our unworthiness like they did, we would experience the same inner transformation as them. So what does a life of obedience to the king's commandments look like? And I want to share with you five ways that we all know on how we should love one another, of what it means to lay down our lives for one another. The first one is pray. And there aren't many words that I love to hear so much as when someone says, Reuben, I am praying for you. Or Reuben, I am praying for you daily. It encourages me so much to think that someone in their quiet time with the Lord thinks about me and presents my needs and presents my life before the Lord. Praying for someone is one of the most important demonstrations of love that we can have for someone, even if they don't know about it. And we know, in fact, in in the Word of God, in the, the Gospels, that Jesus prayed for the disciples. Jesus prayed for us. Living two, almost 2,000 years later, Jesus prayed for us. And, and the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, these are words of Paul. And he's commanding the church, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So we see this in the Bible. Praying is one of the most excellent demonstrations of love. And how often are we loving one another this way? This is a very important way of us showing love towards one another. So even when you think you don't have words to pray, even when you you think, I'm not feeling it, I I don't know what I'm going to be praying about, think about the others. Love one another and prayer is such a beautiful instrument of showing love. Maybe this week you can carry someone in prayer. Someone that the Holy Spirit brings into your heart. Someone different. Someone that maybe you've never prayed for them before. Maybe you can pray for a week for someone specifically and the next week you're going to pray for someone else because believe it or not, God is going to answer your prayers. And that's why he challenges us to pray for one another and in this way to show his immense love. A second way is encourage encouragement and we love this word we know we we love when someone um, is encouraging us sharing words that uplift us in our spirits because everyone is fighting a battle everyone is going through hardships and difficulties everyone has issues and it's so wonderful when someone shares simple words of I was thinking about you Continue following the Lord. God is looking at your life. You are such a blessing, my friend. You are such a blessing, my sister. I'm going to be praying for you. Uh, Remember God's promises. He's never going to abandon you or forsake you. I believe that God is going to open the right doors for your life. We, We understand that these words are so important, especially 
in, in, in this house that is the house of the Lord, especially within the body of Christ, it's so important for us to share words of encouragement. And the most beautiful thing about it is that it doesn't cost a thing. It's cheap. Sharing words or sending a text or call even. People still call these days, actually. It's very, in an age where texting is so easy, some people still like to call. But call someone, text someone, remind them of God's promises. I love the fact there is a, a sister uh, in the church of Kishkaish. Every single day, she shares with me a verse of the day. And I know that many times because I'm not on WhatsApp every hour. I'm not going to open it. But just the fact that it pops up, sometimes I'm going to read the verse, sometimes not. But it, it refreshes my soul to know that she is sharing with me promises of God's word that I need in my life every single day. Jesus encouraged time and time again his disciples. We look into the word of God because we want to receive encouragement from the Lord. So in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus told, I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but cheer up. I have overcome the world. Jesus knows how, how important it is to uplift our souls with words of encouragement. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. So it's such an important reminder. We need to do this time and time again. And quite frankly, I don't think I'm doing it quite enough. I don't believe we're doing it quite enough. Let's be encouraging to one another. But now you might say, but no one is encouraging me. And we hear this so many times in, in church setting. Oh, the pastor doesn't remember me. No one contacts me. I don't really have friends in the church. No one is encouraging me. So I don't really feel that I'm part of this, this church. I don't believe that I'm part of the body. I'm going to share with you such a beautiful verse that I hope it will change your perspective in the way that you deal with encouragement or lack of encouragement. Proverbs 11.25 says, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be watered. When we put ourselves constantly in the position of receiver, other people will stop watering us. This is what the Bible says. It's just a matter of time. But if we refresh ourselves in Jesus' love, if we fill our hearts with God's love, we will start, we're going to start loving others with our words. We're going to start uh, refreshing others with, with prayer. We're going to refresh others with words of encouragement and with our friendship. And you can't take the Bible as a guarantee that you yourself will be blessed in return. You are always going to be blessed with encouragement and friendship when you step out in faith and in obedience to the Lord. Maybe it's time that you invite someone for dinner. It, maybe it's time that you invite someone for a picnic at the park. Maybe it's time that you go outside of your comfort zone and you be the friend that someone needs today. And the Bible promises you, if you water others, you will be watered in return. If you refresh other people's souls, your soul will be refreshed as well. So 
Instead of us looking, looking at our lives as receivers, let's look at our lives as channels of God's blessing because God is going to take care of your needs when we take care of the needs of others. The third thing I want to share with you about how we are supposed to love one another and lay down our lives for one another is to forgive. Forgiveness. Ephesians 4 verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. God forgave us. What a wonderful demonstration of God's love for us. Every time we withhold forgiveness, we are misjudging the weight of our own sins. We are saying that whatever it is that people did against us is worse than anything we ever did in life. But we all know too well our sins. We all know too well the things that makes us be called sinners in the word of God. We all know the harm that throughout our lives we have caused to others intentionally or non-intentionally. So what right do we really have to withhold forgiveness? What right do we have to hold grudges against one another? Remember how costly it was for Jesus to forgive us. Remember the price that he paid so that we were, we were going to be able to love one another. To love one, to love one another truly as Jesus loved us. We need to truly stand at the foot of the cross. Because Jesus is the only one who's at the cross. And we're all at the foot of the cross. Equally sinners. Equally undeserving. But equally loved and forgiven by God. So who are we to hold grudges against one another? In the book of Revelation chapter 12, 10, I didn't put the verse there. But the Bible calls the devil the accuser of our brothers and sisters. So we know that this is, in fact, one of his jobs. He's going to stir confusion and, and unforgiveness in our hearts, every possibility that he has. Little things that have happened, he's going to try to magnify them. He's going to magnify the wrongdoings between, our, uh, between us as we are flawed people because he knows the power of the healing words, I forgive you. When we declare, I forgive you, these are powerful words. We are releasing someone else's life and we are putting ourselves in freedom as well. Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 5. These are very, very important verses. But I tell you, do not fight against an evil person. Love those who hate you. Pray for those who do bad things to you and make it hard for you. Then you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. So be perfect, just as your father in heaven is perfect. So forgiveness is really one of the most beautiful and one of the highest signs of love. When we love perfectly, we are able to forgive perfectly. 
And I know that it is not easy to hear this. Unconditional forgiveness. Forgiving even those who are unrepented of their sins. And this is hard to do, and this was even hard to do in the early church. When we open our Bibles in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul is describing that the church in Corinth was living through issues that obviously sometimes we also go through these struggles in the church today. But even back at a time, they were going through these hardships. And it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 7, and 8, it is surely obvious that something must be seriously wrong in your church. These are hard words. <laughs> imagine a pastor, imagine someone saying, there's something terribly wrong <laughs> in this community. And he goes on describing what it is for you to be having lawsuits at all. So people were fooling other people, maybe in business, in words, we don't know what was going on, but people were have putting lawsuits against one another. So the matter was in fact serious and probably involved large sums of money. But Paul is saying now, why not let yourself be wronged or cheated? For when you go to the law against your brother, you yourself do him wrong. For you cheat him of Christian love and forgiveness. This is a huge challenge, even for me. I think this is probably one of the hardest things to do as a Christian. Paul is saying to the church, yes, you have been wronged. People in your community of faith have offended you. And worse than that, they are unrepentant of it. But instead of you putting lawsuits against them, the, the highest way and highest form of love is to allow yourself to be wronged and cheated. Because if you don't do it, you're not living up to Jesus' command to love one another. You are depriving others of Christian love and forgiveness. It's a challenge to accept that God is the God of justice who looks at, at our sufferings and he looks at our injustice and he's the one that needs to carry out his justice. But in this specific situation, Paul is saying when you do are not forgiving one another, when you just accept the wrong, the wrong consequences of somebody else's doing, you are depriving them of love and forgiveness. And this is, in fact, a much higher wrongdoing than whatever it is that people did to you. And I know this is hard in experience and in preaching, it's really hard for us to do it. That's why so many times we need help. We need to open our hearts to someone in leadership, a good friend, someone that is godly. Please help me to process this. How can I love someone that has done this to me? Even this week I was reading um, some news about a killing that happened um, and five Five children have lost uh, uh, their father because he got murdered. And they've waited and waited for the trial to happen. And these, um, these men that committed uh, the murder were caught and, and they were waiting for the, uh, the trial. 
But these five children came out to the, the press and said, we forgive the killers of our dad. And I don't know if these men, if these children are Christians or not. But I know it is possible. I know it is possible for us to forgive even those who remain unrepented of their wrongdoings. And every time we do it, the Bible tells us that we are acting as sons and, and daughters of the living God. We are becoming more and more children of the Almighty God, the God who has forgiven us even when we remained unrepented of our wrongdoings. The fourth way that we can show love to one another is to challenge someone. And we often think that praising and complimenting someone is one of the highest uh, forms of us expressing our love for them, but challenging them is also a very important way. Because when someone challenges you, it means that they, they love you and they have high expectations from you. And when someone corrects you, when someone points you to the right direction, when someone is, is willing to open their mouths and, and say something to you, to say something into your life, and, and challenge you to, to be better, to do better decisions, challenge you to think differently. It's such a blessing to have someone in our lives that allow us to think about how are we living and if there is a higher way of us to live as children of God. People that are not afraid of, of kicking us in the pants when we need it. And I'm so grateful to have so many people in my life that are capable of, of telling me this, Reuben, I love you, but I think you're acting foolishly. Reuben, I love you, but I think that you're not saying things that are going to be a blessing to other people. Reuben, I, I appreciate your thoughts, but you're stepping out of line. It's a blessing to have people like that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Motivate people to do good works is to challenge them, is showing them this is the way that you're living, this is the outcome that you're going to have from that, and this is the way that you're going to change the outcome of your life. This is how the Lord wants you to live. And I appreciate in being in the community when we see challenges, when we, especially during this pandemic outbreak, when we, uh, we went, we, when we went through these challenges and we saw people hurting, when we saw people who were struggling, uh, we didn't just say, okay, God bless you. We hope that God opens the right doors for you. No, we stepped out of our comfort zone and we helped because we need to be creative. In order to motivate someone, in order to help people to get back to the right path, we need to do things that are out of ordinary. And we need to ask God for creativity. We need to ask God to use our mouths, to use uh, our lives to help people change and live according to God's word. And finally, the fifth one, the fifth way that we can share um, that we can love one another is sharing by sharing. Romans chapter 12 verse 13 sa says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. So 
What are people in need? What should we share? We should share everything that people are in need. We should share of our time. We should share of our wisdom. We should share of our joy. We should share of our resources. We should share our friendship. We should share time with one another. We should uh, be sharing our lives so that if someone is in need, they're not going to be in need anymore. We also need to share our sufferings. And I know that many times we prefer to keep our sufferings to ourselves, but the Bible says that one, when one of us is suffering, the whole body is suffering. It means that we are part of a body and God wants us to be one with one another as Christ is with the Father. So in order for this to happen, we need to share Sharing is such a beautiful, such an amazing way of us showing our loves for one another. Share comfort. When you have received comfort from the Lord, and many of our brothers and sisters have been following the Lord for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. You have been, you, you've gone through so many things with the Lord. You have experience of God's faithfulness, of God's kindness towards you. When we live in a community where so, where so many people are still taking the first steps as Christians, God wants you to share your knowledge of the word. God wants you to share your experiences. God wants you to share your time. God wants you to be intentional in spending time with someone to help them continue to follow Jesus. And I hope that if you are a follower of Jesus, you have something to share. You have something that no one else can give but you. So let's accept this challenge. What do you have to share with others? Be intentional in sharing what other people are in need at this time. I'm going to close this time and I'm going to pray for us. And I hope that this message was challenging to you as it has been for me, especially this week. Because I know that I do not love perfectly. And I don't know if I will ever love perfectly in in this earth. But I love the fact as well that the Lord is correcting me. That the Lord is speaking into my heart and He's showing me different ways where I have been failing in loving one another. That I have been failing on laying down my life for others. So if there is someone in your life today that you're having a really hard time loving at this moment, remember remember the cross. Remember that Jesus loved and died for you while you were still a sinner. Remember that we are all undeserving of God's grace and God's forgiveness. How can we call Jesus Lord if we don't look at his word as a commandment? Love one another as I have loved you. And I know that Jesus, he set up the bar quite high. And I know that humanly speaking, it's not possible for us to love this way. But when Jesus' love is poured into our hearts, 
When we ask the Lord for this revelation, Lord, help me to know how much you love me. Help me to experience the depth. And Paul spoke about this. We need to experience the depth, the length, everything that has to do with God's love. Because when we understand, when we live out that way, when we feel this love, then we are capable of loving as Jesus did. And maybe there are people in your life that are undeserving, that are unrepented, but God calls you to love them nonetheless. God asks you to encourage them, to forgive them, to pray for them, no matter what they did to you, no matter who they are in the church. If you know them well, if you don't know them well, God is calling you to love. He is calling me to love. So next time we are together, And I know that you don't have anyone probably on your left and your right to look right now and and say, I love you. But I look forward to the the day where we're going to be together, even if we have to wear masks. (laughs) But as we look to one another and we are capable of, of seeing someone that Jesus loves, someone that is equally undeserving of Christ's love, but we are called to love him. We're called to love her. We're called to love each other with the same love that Jesus loved us with. I want to be part of a body, of a church who is not afraid of loving as Jesus did. So let's ask the Lord this morning to help us, to stir his love inside our hearts and even point out if there had, have been ways where we have been failing to show love to others. If you call Jesus Lord today, it's time for us to correct that. It's time for us to accept his correction. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for your word. Thank you that you are our king that you are our savior. Thank you that the word that you have shared with us this morning is more than just a teaching. It's a commandment. Thank you that you you lead us by example. Even when it was costly to you, even when it meant going to a cross and, and pay the penalty for our sins, the sins of millions, hundreds of millions, billions of people who remained unrepentant of their sins, you still loved us and you laid down your lives for us and you called us your friends when we weren't your friends. Thank you, Jesus, that you call, you call us your friends. And we are your friends when we do what you have asked us to do. Lord, I pray that you will help us to love one another. Lord, will you pour your love into our hearts this morning? In all the ways that we have failed, Lord, and all the people that we have been hurting, withholding forgiveness, all the people that we are withholding good, Lord, we ask for forgiveness. We bend our knees, we bend our hearts before you, Lord, and and we say, Father, we ask, forgive us in the mighty name of Jesus.
Lord, and we ask for change. We ask that you will transform our hearts. We ask that you will speak to us, that you will help us live out your word the way that it was written. The challenge is high for, for mankind, but Lord, nothing is impossible with you. So we ask you, Lord, help us to love the way that you loved us. Help us to be children of God, ambassadors of your presence on this earth, Lord. And Lord, thank you. Thank you that you're capable of doing this in us. We know that we will continue to fail sometimes. We know that some feelings will still pop up in our hearts. But Lord, I pray that your love is going to be greater. Help us to make the decision to love. Whatever it is in your, our past that needs to be let go, Lord, help us to do it this morning. Help us to look at everyone with eyes of freedom, with eyes of love, with eyes of joy, knowing that your love is able to transform circumstances. Your love is capable of transforming people. Help us, Lord, to abide in you. Love one another means abiding in Jesus. So, Father, thank you that you're pruning us this morning. Thank you that you're helping us to be fruitful branches in this amazing, beautiful vine that is Jesus. Help us, Lord, to live for you every single day. And may this fruit continue to bear much glory to your name. We pray, Lord, that our lives will continue to exist to exalt you, to confess and to proclaim the praises, the goodness of Jesus Christ, our God, our Savior, and our King. Thank you, Lord, for your presence with us this morning. Continue to speak to us. Continue to fill our hearts. We ask in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.